Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Oh yeah, we've been playing a few times. Hunting wild boar, and we always take a couple of terriers as well. Okay. Generally, um, what kind of terriers did you did you have? I had uh, little black terriers. Um, we called them fell terriers. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to a patterdale type. I thought patterdales and fells were the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, the fell is often, um. Is often a more rough coated. They might have a bit of border terrier in them. Okay. They were literally just um, purpose bred rather than a, a strict type. Mm-hmm. So they vary a lot. And uh, we got red, black and tan, and black as well. So they, they were kind of, a, I guess, in between a border and a lakeland okay. type. But, but yeah, very similar origins to the Patagon for sure. Gotcha. So when you would take them to Spain, I'm assuming most of your terriers were used to doing earthwork. How did they transfer? Yeah. To wild boar. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, they, they love it. <laughs> <laughs> they transferred just like uh, duck to water. You know, they were just they just love pigs. I don't know what it is with terriers and pigs, but um, <laughs> it doesn't take them much to get going on pigs. Gotcha. And um, yeah, yeah, we just get them along and get them into it. Okay. You know, once you've seen one or two, they're, they're away hunting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, would they bay them up or they try to catch them? They'd, they'd basically try and catch them, but okay. it's essentially they're driving them somewhere. You know, they're not, they're not probably going to stop them themselves. Gotcha. A lot of the time, you know, them ball can, can go for miles and mm-hmm. fast. So, uh, no, but we'll, we'll put the tires into like a thick cover into some woods and get some people coming in from one side other people at the other side and just hope they come through the right way. That's cool. <laughs> I you... take people with um, all kinds of dogs you know, over to Spain and over to Hungary. And, um, you know, there'll be lurches, um, kind of bully, bully greyhound crosses. Yeah. Uh, there'll be deerhound crosses. There'll be poly crosses. There'll be things like um, Alano, Spanish Alano, type okay. master type crosses as well and uh and just a mishmash of kind of terriers and things like that as well generally so pretty much the same as like here in the united states where we hunt pigs with literally anything and everything pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah you just use what works <laughs> what survives now you just mentioned something about lurchers being I, I never understood and i've never really talked to anybody that ran one so maybe you can enlighten me What's the point of crossing the collie in? What does a collie benefit? You know, the, the right. bull lurchers make more sense. Like, You're crossing in, you know, that powerful bite and the drive. But I just yeah. don't understand the collie. Well, a good collie will, will have drive and some bite too, but they're not all kind of, uh, there's a lot of collies now that are, are kind of flighty and maybe even a bit nervy. And they don't really have a lot of grit mm-hmm. in some cases, but there's, there's collies as well that do have all that. Mm-hmm. Hill collies, you know, like old cattle working collies from the north in England, they, in Scotland, they had um, tough hill collies in the past. I don't, there's not many left like that. 
Gotcha. People have changed to the kind of modern border collie. And those old-fashioned collies, they had plenty of grit. And um, the good thing about the cross is it would almost disguise a sighthound in it. Okay. In a lot of cases. And those collie types, herding types that were rough-coated, you could, like a bearded collie, mm-hmm. a working collie. You could cross it and get a rough coat. And it kind of disguised your dog a little bit from, from looking like a, a racy kind of hunting dog. Gotcha. A lot of people are under the radar, you know. No, that makes you know, a lot of sense. A bit of, a bit of meat for dinner. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we get too far into this and people are all confused, Mick, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, sure. Um, I'm Mick <laughs> from England, the north of England. <laughs> Basically, been obsessed with dogs and nature and the outdoors and forever pretty much from but, first terrier when i was six and uh, 1988 okay uh, for my granddad who he, he basically bred uh terriers lurkers pigeons raising pigeons big, nice. big lots of pigeons a ferret yeah you really got me into the breeding side of things yeah now the thing i think is really cool is you're from england but uh, you don't live in England now. You've moved, not stateside, you you're still moved a little further, too, too far north, but you moved to this side of the <laughs> pond. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, I um, met a lovely Canadian lady. <laughs> I was at work in Scotland. Okay. And, uh, and we, we fell in love, and basically I spent on a, I've been visiting Canada for about 10 years, actually. Okay. Um, the first time I came over, it was 2013, and I brought I brought two lurchers with me. Actually, I brought my um, that was a lurcher and my wirehair Luna. She came with me, mm-hmm. and we went from one side of Canada to the other, and we can save enough money over in the UK. Eventually, we settled on a place here in Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we've been here since 2017. Nice. And then. Um, yeah, we love it here. Yeah. I didn't realize you'd been over here that long. Yeah. Wow, time yeah. flies because I remember <laughs> talking to you before you ever moved over here. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, way before. Because you, so how we kind of got connected was through the leopards, and actually we have your females, yeah. a half sister to both of my females. So. Right. That's how we've kind of gotten to know each yeah. other through the years. On the old left of breed forum, yeah. Yep. So, I was which on the I think is the forum before that too. Okay. Which I think is really interesting. You, you you come from UK, where you don't have tree dogs at all, and then you came over here and, and got heavily involved in tree dogs. Yeah. Yeah, it took over, and um, yeah, the way the way it went, and. Um, Kind of scoured Canada for the best places. Obviously, BC is an amazing place for hounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like bears and lions, and, and, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And that's kind of where a lot of Leslie's, my wife's family, is as well. So we're almost going that way, but we found this little, this little piece here, and then there's bobcats here. There's not a lot of bob- there's bobcats in places in BC, but mm-hmm. the lynx and most of it. Yeah. Uh, and I just got obsessed with bobcats. <laughs> Once they claw <laughs> their way in, that's <laughs> it. 
Um, yeah, no, just um, just enjoy the variety of game here. Mm-hmm. The freedom, the space. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was getting it was getting difficult for for houndsmen back in the old country there. Oh, I'm sure. A lot of laws. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Bad. kind of, we've talked. Like I said, we've known each other now for quite a few years, and uh, you know, we've messaged through the different various social medias and forums and stuff. And uh, you've kind yeah. of told me a lot about some of the experiences you've had while you lived over there and you've hunted all over Europe. Like we just talked about a little bit about Spain, but kind of let's, let's yeah. just a little brief overview of some of the stuff you did over there before you moved here. Sure. Yeah. Well, Oh, well, I mean, I started off like, well, I already had some dogs of my own and I went to college for a couple of years and then, um, by about, I think it's about 19, 99, 2000, I went up to the Scottish Highlands. I was working in deer management up there. It's red deer. It's like, um, it, it's an open country. It's mountainous. There's, there's deer numbers like you wouldn't believe. They've stripped the place there. It's just, uh, you know, you go out and see a herd of 350 deer. Wow. All stacked. Yeah. You know, it's just so we were basically in a um, population reduction almost mm-hmm. kind of strategy, um, but we also managed for the health of the herd as well. So we were leaving most of the best specimens on the hill, okay, picking things like bicorns and hummels, the stags without horns. Mm-hmm. We got they're quite rare, but we had, we got a bunch on there. We got about five, we got three in one day. Wow. Stags with no horns. <laughs> they get really big and they end up breeding with a lot of hinds because the other stags don't really see them as much of a threat. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So I started off in, in deer and we did a lot of pest control foxes and a lot of land management trying to bring the forest back, the ancient forest. So um, deer reduction was the main part of that as well. Gotcha. And then I went into gamekeeping. Basically, uh, looking after releasing a lot of pheasants, uh, partridge, and um, the landowner, the wealthy landowner, and he spelled days of driven shooting. Okay. So I'd, I'd basically um, just run the, the operation, the beating team, and make sure they get the birds over them on the day. Is that, that, yeah. is that where you got into that, the bird dogs? That's when I, I already had a spaniel that I used just for shooting myself because I did a lot of pigeon shooting, crow shooting. Um, so I already had a bird dog and I got another one in game keeping a cocker spaniel. It was very good. Um, he was a great dog, actually. had a black cocker spaniel. Um, I'll fix, tell you some stories about that dog as well. <laughs> I see they're kind of making a comeback, <laughs> at least around here. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, going back, say, like, the late 1800s, 1900s, early 1900s in the UK, mm-hmm. there was a lot more pointing dogs. Okay. But over time, lands got enclosed and roads got busy and and driven shooting became more popular. Mm-hmm. So the need for a pointing dog was less. I still use on the moorland at yeah. the open hill. But um, 
really the flushing dogs took over and the retrievers. Gotcha. You know? yeah. yeah, and then and then I left gamekeeping, kind of got made redundant. So the estate didn't have that much money, and they ch- they changed the way they went, and they turned it into a campsite and a cafe and things like that. So gotcha. I set up as pest controllers, and at that time. There was horrendous laws. In, I think it was 2004, 2005. A law came in pretty much trying to ban hunting with dogs. Mm-hmm. It got difficult. Um, it got difficult to operate hounds. They banned um, the number of hounds you could use to two and only to flush to a gun as well. Okay. Um, and a of other laws that were really restricted came in at the same time so uh, we looked to Europe for better opportunities mm-hmm. and I had some friends over there and um, I just started going myself usually just with a buddy and then it got it got more attention and eventually we were taking a crew of a dozen people <laughs> even more all the dogs and you know <laughs> getting them into it I don't blame any of you guys for trying to get out of there and be able to go hunt oh yeah Oh yeah, and it, and it's a busy place. Like, um, you know, so now I don't even know how they're coping with it. You know, it's even worse now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the fight is real here as well. I, I think these things are happening here now. Mm-hmm. Happened there a while ago. Yeah, and um, you got to watch out because I think yeah, like um, I've heard people coin the phrase like low hanging fruit is the hound. It's an easy one to pick off first, and then we'll chip away at everything else after that. Definitely, it's definitely yeah. uh, look looking at England, especially, is very important for us uh, over here because it it can show us what can happen very easily if we don't stand together and fight. I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even fishermen, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, they should all be paying attention to, to, to how they're chipping away at things. Definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. But luckily you got over here where we can, where you have a little more freedom and you can run some more stuff, so. Yeah, definitely. When you came over here, how did that transpire? Like, what made you look for tree dogs? Well, I basically had a, why uh, I had pointer. I had a few dogs at the time. I had a Catahoula mm-hmm. hog dog. It wasn't too bad, but he he took a bad one back in Scotland. He got hit. He got shot a little bit. <laughs> um, at a bay up. Um, and uh, he he just didn't he just didn't recover properly mentally from it. Yeah. He was grouchy. He was a grouchy dog after that. And um, I don't know. If, if it, you know, he, if he'd actually suffered some kind of mental thing, mm-hmm. but he just didn't work good, and he was he was just grouchy after that. So anyway, he's a he's a guard dog on a farm now. And okay, they love him. So he's got a he's got a solid life actually. <laughs> he's but, a yeah. pretty dog. And I had a wired head. Sorry, man. I said he was a very real pretty dog. Oh yeah, he was a good looking dog. Yeah, well built, fast. Yeah. Yeah, he could he could trail and he was open, wide open trailer as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dog. 
Um, but but the wire now I had hundred within what she taught him pretty much. And um, she she already treated squirrels mm-hmm. in the UK. Okay. Um, we did a lot of farming and foxes and rats, even rabbits, and um, all kinds of things. And she she took the game over here, no problem. And she'd already been to Ontario, uh, NBC, and she'd actually been out to Alaska as well. Um, you know, and she she's seen bears and she trained squirrels. Uh, she's a good bird dog too, but she took the coon, no problem. <laughs> and uh, she's pretty good. You know, she's pretty good. So I just thought, well, this this is working out. So, um, but then I really had the bobcat on my mind. And and the leopard. I've been looking into all the tree dogs, you know, on the forums, the walkers and the blue ticks and everything. Yeah. Trying to decide kind of what would suit me. My experience of hounds had been basically foxhounds, mm-hmm. you know, packs of foxhounds. Uh, a bit like when you went to see the the hunt down in Maryland. Yep. Um, kind of similar to that. So, like, my experience is with running dogs. And I just thought the pairs really appealed to me. Being in kind of lurcher, lurcher man, carry man. Yeah. That kind of dog just kind of really, really appealed to me. The purpose-driven um, or purpose-bred dog, not not a paper-bred dog. Sure. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I kind of veered towards the pairs. Got got more reading done and more research done. And I kind of gravitated towards the leopard eventually, and I and I think I did a pretty good choice for myself, like person. But on a personal level, I quite prefer in a dog. Mm-hmm. So I've been really happy with the leopard that I had. Out of curiosity, did you pick your female? You call her Ruby, right? Ruby, yeah. Did you pick Ruby because she she looked like uh, your Catahoula? I uh, and chose her for me. I just oh, okay. And he just sent me. He picked for me, and he just sent me here. That's funny. Just because they look so similar. Yeah, they do. Yeah. No, it was nothing to do with that. It was just um, look at the draw. Yeah. No, she turned into a good dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a good three dog. She's accurate. She's a fast track dog. She's got a nice. She's got a nice mouth. And this is this is all new to me when I got my first laugh with Dougal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the mouth on. The changeover that so you get, you you know, they'll make a strike, kind of a yodel, mm-hmm. and they'll get going on the track, and, and then you know when they locate the tree, as well, and then they, and then they chop on the tree, and uh, all of that was just great to me. And and I like how they run the track; they they run to catch, you know. Yeah, you know that they're, they're going, they're giving it, and they they really want that catch. So. I like that about them. Mm-hmm. They can drift and they can and they can run and they can still they can still do an all track too. Yeah. So what we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit and we're gonna start talking about this crossbreeding program that you got. So you got an you got a leopard, you like some tree dogs, and then all of a sudden you went crazy and you started this awesome breeding program <laughs> that we're gonna dive into now because that's this is the whole point of this conversation because I want to dig into this breeding program you've got started. Where did it start? Oh, when did it start? Well, I guess it started with this wire hair. This wire hair that I had, and I, and I have a, a female pup out of her that's a pure wire hair too. 
and they both tree really good. I've never really seen a proper bird dog just kind of a full bird dog kind of tree this good. So mm-hmm. I thought I had something in the, the traits that I needed, but but they don't. They're pretty much silent on track for the most part, and uh, they make a little noise at the tree, but it's squally, not not much to hear sometimes. <laughs> um, and they'll stay at the tree, but but you know if they're in a ravine, you won't hear them. And if, and if they're away over the mountain, they're gone. You don't hear a thing. Gotcha. So so the way I could improve, and COVID came kind of after the start of it, and. I really wanted to get another leopard and that put a halt to all that, you know, traveling with dogs. And, mm-hmm. um, I just thought, well, I got to build my pack from what I've got. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was looking for the best dog. I literally went all around the province, all around the Maritimes. I was visiting uh, Dratars. I was visiting, I, I didn't find one of them. It was even a remotely good track dog, really. Are out, they are out there, but they're hard to find around here. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at walker dogs, I was looking at blue tick dogs, and, um, and I ended up finding a, a line of spots that's spread out here on Prince Edward Island, and uh, just a, a quite a good, quite a good um, guy that's got, that had that going, um, Jody Harper. I was on PEI and he hunts yokes, coyotes mainly. Okay. Because, uh, it's kind of a little different than here. It's kind of a flat land, farmland a lot. And the dogs are just racing across that, chasing these coyotes, and they're, they're cutting their head, trying to pick them off as a gun. And it looks like they were doing a good job. And he sold his dogs to various people that hunt different game, coons and cats. And, and I met a guy who has a couple of his dogs that Loved them, and uh, he had a lot of bobcats. So mm-hmm. went down to see this one dog, Bullet, and um, just a real calm dog, kind of a big solid dog, um, a little white on its feet, a little white on its chest, but brindle dog, good looking plot, um, and he had an amazing deep mouth, uh, a cold nose. And just like a reliable single-handed cat dog, uh, he was just great and speed and strange. Seemed to have it all. So I thought, well, it's worth a go. I'll I'll just raise as many as I can and see if I get something mm-hmm. like I'm looking for. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, I was raising the clouds and they they run free around the farm. Never into everything. Uh, eventually, I got a, I got a coon. And I had it in the cage, and oh, they just lit up and and the mouth on them all it was uh, just incredible. Uh, and I I kept a few of them, and I still got two now. Yep. Um, and they just turned out just exactly how I really envisioned. And um, basically, they sound like hounds. But they can do what the wire hair could do. Mm-hmm. They point even. If it's a, if it's a partridge in a bush, they'll, they'll point it. You know, oh. and they'll tree and they've got great mouth. And they, they don't lose the timbering squirrel. 
Okay. This is a, if there's anything Tim bring out, they're after it. Whereas the leopards will be on the tree. Mm-hmm. Sometimes stuck on that tree. Whereas the other ones are going racing off through the forest watching it timbering out. <laughs> so uh, I actually found a lot of plus sides in the, in the cross I didn't expect. Yeah. And they're just super robust as well. And they've been holding up on all this crappy um, ice and, and crust that we get all the time here. Yep. Um, and I'm out with the dogs and even my, my neighbors and I haven't been out for weeks, you know. <laughs> so the two, oh, yeah, it's going quite well. So the two you kept out of that cross are Gord and Raven, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. The male and female. I just want to establish that so that way when we get a little further in this breeding program, and you say one of their names, that we that way people understand. They're, they're yeah, half, yeah, Gordon, half plot, half yeah. German wire hair. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So now. Mm-hmm. They worked out, and you've hunted waterfowl, upland, coon, bobcat, squirrels, right? Yep. 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 Yeah, exactly. And I use the old wire hair now. She's still working. She's going to be 12, I think, this year. Okay. And she's still working. I do blood tracking with her. That's a game recovery. Mm -hmm. And I'm working into guiding as well this year. Working on up to being a guide anyway. Okay. Um, gotta do a gotta do a course and stuff. Um, so it's good coming coming along. Yeah, so I use the old retired dogs for stuff like blood tracking and I haven't done shed hunting, but I know Tate and them do yeah. with their dogs and quite a big thing out, out west, I think. Mm-hmm. Never really got into that. But, Definitely. But they certainly do that. Easy. Um but I'm I'm really just obsessed with cats. So, after that first generation, what was your what was your next move, and what was the thought process behind that? And just to keep going, I guess, and just um, I wanted a few more dogs in the team, and um, well, I really wanted to breed uh, some leopards, but but I didn't have a male to use my my old dog Dougal. I sold him to another cat hunter, mm-hmm. kind of locally, and uh, he's he's doing good. But uh, he did not get along with my uh, wife's Britney Spaniel okay. male, and they just wouldn't stop bickering, so and fighting, scrapping, get to go. So that was him. And then, yeah, so I was left with not many options. So I went to Gord and. I, and I lined him over Ruby, mm-hmm. the leopard. So um, I got a litter out of that. And those pups were just fireballs. <laughs> just absolutely from the word go. Uh, and I couldn't I couldn't keep them. I just could not keep them off. They were <laughs> they were getting out of the pen. They were they were chasing my hogs every day and, <laughs> and baiting up my hogs and, and chasing squirrels, digging up squirrels. I find them all in the woods, just a, just like a regular pack of hounds, just going at it. <laughs> they were hard work, um, but I did keep three out of that litter. Okay. The others are doing great too that I sold, but um, I gave away. But uh, the the uh, three that I kept all made good dogs, all made really good dogs, and versatile too. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I don't know if it's luck or yeah, it's luck. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Now, have you pretty much hunted Sorry them on that. everything, just just like you have Gordon Raven? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I've done more with Raven than I did with God. God was so good at training coons, but, and and he's just such a fun dog to work with. He's energetic. He's very friendly, and he's bouncy. And, you know, he's just he's just keen. He's a keen dog, and he's he's always on the go. And so uh, if he's not worked often, almost daily, then he'll be balancing off the kennel. And so I've almost got to work in to keep him kind of stable. Mm-hmm. But he's a real good dog, and, and I really pushed him towards that. And, and he's trained up a few of these pups too. Nice. It's real nice. He's not he's good because um, he'll, they, my dogs pack good. They don't, okay. They're not independent, really, I don't think. I don't get a lot of split. If I'll, I'll cast them off, they'll separate off. But as soon as one opens, they're all two, yeah. and they all go. They trust each other, and they're just a team. They go, and he's he's got them all like that, and that's how they go. They operate. Uh, so yeah, he's a good dog, and I pushed him more towards the tree work, the, the tree game, the cats, and then um, he didn't get a lot of. I usually start them in September on waterfowl. Actually, I get a early goose season, mm-hmm. but this year the geese here they almost disappeared when the season opened. Didn't get a lot of opportunity, but uh, had Raven down there, and we got a few ducks later on. And they're both good water dogs. They love water, or they all do. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all retrieve just naturally from pubs. I didn't. I don't force train. In fact, I don't really train. I I just like to see what they're gonna be able to do I train obedience but yeah. then after that just exposure I guess and getting them out there a lot and, um, and they are obedient dogs so you know they're, they're steady they're not like you can do it in your face when, you, when yeah. you've got the tailgate I'm sorry as soon as you, you started uh, posting pictures of your first litter i've i've been very interested in in the crosses that you've made and i think it's really interesting and i find the versat i i find versatile dogs in general very fascinating and i, I that's one of the things that's always drawn me yeah. the old the old style cur dogs is you know dogs that could tree coon tree squirrel work your cows guard your homestead you know that that whole old yeller style you know dog and yeah and then you yeah. cross the bird dog in there and then you're like you're hunting upland birds and you're hunting waterfowl plus you're hunting tree game and i just think it's really sure. interesting yeah I, I, i'm all about the versatility and and if i can keep a rounded versatile dog with all the them traits going i will but mm-hmm. time will tell i guess yeah if anything starts to you know slip away or i guess it'll just take you know if you don't use it you you might lose it sort of thing. So if I get them into visible homes and don't have a chance to prove that work in different different aspects of hunting. Yeah. But I think the, they've got the traits there. So if they can, if they keep if they keep like perpetuating themselves, then I'll keep going. <laughs> now, have any of the pups that you've had that you didn't keep have they went on to do anything other than what you are 
are raising yours to do? You know, some have, some have gone on to just be almost straight upland dogs, or there's one or two that are, he just hunts ducks, or, you know. Okay. And they've, they've done them proud. Um, so, uh, apart from apart from that, there's, there's green coons and squirrels and, and cats and, and, uh, and the regular kind of treeing dogs work. Nice. But, but yeah, a few of them, a few of them gone to almost purely bird, bird jobs. Mm-hmm. And they're doing great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So how old are this, is the second litter that you had? Um, you know, that, they're probably only, they're probably not even three, no. Okay. I, th- I figured they were like two-ish. Yeah. And you yeah, had, I think they'll be coming up three at some point. Gotcha. Now, you had, yeah. what were the three that you kept out of that litter? I got a smooth coated brindle dog, kind of looks like a flossy um, Murphy. Mm-hmm. And then I got a rough coated brindle dog, uh, Colin Ferguson. And I got a rough coated brindle female, like old Gooseberry. Okay. And um, yeah. And both both Gord and Raven are rough coated, right? Yes, not overly rough, but yeah. they have a yeah they have a wiriness for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't want to talk about your most recent cross, we won't. But if uh, you want to, we can. <laughs> oh sure, I don't mind. So you crossed Fergus with Raven, correct? I did. Actually, I had another little sneaky one in between. Oh, um, I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> I had a little sneaky litter out of, I got a final litter out of Lou when she was nine. Okay. And that was to Fergus as well when he was, no, he must have been, no, she must have been 10. And Fergus was young, true. Um, I thought this is the last little chance I get. <laughs> Fergus had done a lot, by the way. He'd, he'd done a lot. I wasn't thinking he wasn't going to make it or anything like that, but mm-hmm. but um, but it it, it worked out, and I, I kept a female out of that, and she's young still, but she's taken it real nice. Yeah. Okay, what do you call her? I call her I call her Tubbs. Okay, that got yeah. me hiding that one on me. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a now or never type situation, and no, it makes sense. Well, it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> I would never really breed a dog over nine. Really, I don't. I don't breed a lot out of a female. Mm-hmm. If I do breed them, it's every other year. Or, I, I really, I really just like hunting. I don't, you know. So, yeah. Well, it was just it was just a now or never situation. I thought, well. I'll regret it if I don't do it. I'll, I'll regret it forever if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of line breeding starting there. So. Yeah. Because Fergus is essentially doing his grand son. So. Yeah. 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 I'm really happy with that. And yeah, the new litter. Well, uh, that's Fergus and Raven. Raven. Yeah. Yep. And I got 16, 16 puppies. I know. Yeah. I was counting. I'm like, and I. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking fifteen or sixteen. I was 
trying to count heads, but they're yeah. a little difficult in that pile. Right. At that time, I didn't even know how many there were. I kind of when I sent the first when I got the first pictures, I didn't I didn't count them. I just had a look and <laughs> I looked good and I just left a turret for a day and then went back in and I changed the blanket and things and um, and there's sixteen of them. I can believe it. Jeez. Yeah. Still doing good. Still has all of them. Yeah, still have all of them. I mean, that's only it's been only been a couple of days since we you know we rec- started recording this that, that she's had them, but still, that's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's a hell of a good mom, and she's just in there, just uh, just stuffing away, and just and just almost like bringing food balls to her, and she's just eating it out of the ball as she's stuffing. I'm sure. So, pretty well devoted, devoted mother, but she's got nine teeth. Doesn't. She's missing a teeth, I think, or something. She's got four on one side, five on the other. Um, but the pups are doing good. You know, they're looking good. Awesome. They're not. They're not making noise. They're not. They're not distressed or anything. So for now, they're, they're content. But mm-hmm. I'm. I'm gonna be stuffing and feeding them. I think as well. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. A lot of meat in the freezer though. So they got some good stuff waiting for them. As many as you have now, I think you have the makings of a bear pack. If you want to just drive south a little bit, that is true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, no, that would be a, a lot of fun. We don't have a, really a bear season here. Okay. At all, or no training season or anything. But, um, but what we can do is is hunt nuisance bear. We're okay. allowed to to steer at nuisance bear and tree it. Um, but that's the only. That's the only real time you're allowed to kind of uh, create a bear with dogs. So well, how far? It's, it's a case of maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. So. You're not that far from Maine, are you? <laughs> no, not really. See? Just come on down. Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not too far. I'll get there in a day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Have a bunch yeah. of wire hair dogs on, on a bear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know they they would they would take to that. I'm pretty sure as well. Yeah, I'm I'm sure they would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the plot blood and the leopard blood in there, I, I don't think it would take much convincing. Oh no, oh no, and the wire hair, they love them too. Mm-hmm. They love them too, but they're greasy as anything. So, but you know they're real smart too. But they've got so much drive. I don't know. If that would be too much drive mm-hmm. uh, for a bear, but I'm not sure. But they're definitely making clients work at it. And you know, if you didn't have enough dogs already, aren't you getting a dog or you're crossing to a dog? Or what's the situation with that? Oh, from out, oh, from um, out west. From out west, right? Well, you know, Tate. Yeah. Um, and his friend Miles is over in Oregon. They've got the they've got the other batch going. So, so Miles had a, a Dratar, yep, a different line from from North America, somewhere from from the states, and um, real good dog. And, you know, he was using it with his dog to catch cats, and um, he crossed he crossed her onto a huckleberry dog, mm-hmm. and uh, had a litter and distributed them out to the hunters and tape. They kept one, and, uh, 
I'm sure you've heard a bit about about Hetz and what yep. played, so. And uh, for the listeners, Huckleberry's a leopard. Yeah, he's a full leopard out of Nicker Island. And uh, actually, that dog was talked about in a podcast not too, too long ago. Hang on, let me look at my calendar here. So the podcast that came out at the end of February, on February 28th, uh, he was talked about on that podcast. So if somebody wants to go back and dig a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, well, they've got a good out there as well. So are you going to cross to one of them? Are you getting one of them? So we're basically swapping semen from our from our dogs there, from our okay. from our best from our best dogs. So uh, so that's all we're really doing, um, and hoping that we can. Miles has also made a, a line, a couple of line breeding since the initial cross mm-hmm. as well. Um, and he's and he's finding things are going pretty good too. So nice, you know, if if these if these lines pan out, then we'll have something to cross between. Yeah. They could potentially work quite well for longevity. And that's the type of dog that we've got there. So, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes, and I think it's pretty cool that it's the cross has worked for you, and it's also worked for somebody literally on the other side of the continent. And yeah. yeah. see how. I think it'll be cool to see in the future, you know, once you guys cross your lines to see how those turn out. Oh, yeah. It's exciting to to imagine uh, that, you know, to to wonder how they'll turn out. Only time will tell, I guess. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get them in the woods hard. And um, yeah, I just hope for the best. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah, no, they're they're doing well out there with their dogs. uh, across a couple of these pups, well, a bunch of these pups now are going to be heading out, heading out west. So. Okay. Um, hopefully they'll be good in there. Cool. Hopefully they'll they'll be able to keep up with uh, Tate's Huckleberry, uh, Tate's uh, Heston dogs. Yeah. yeah. That thing's <laughs> fast on <down> you. <here. laughs> yeah. Well, now we need some good stories yeah, we'll of these versatile them. dogs before we let you go. <laughs> well, uh, I nearly froze to death one time. Um. <laughs> And it's a, it was a good lesson for me, you know, coming from pretty much a much milder environment over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, just suddenly just going at it in the, you know, way below freezing. And, and it, actually on this, on this hunt, it wasn't that cold. I think it was minus, uh, we deal in centigrade here, minus 10. So I don't know what that would be in, in your... But anyway, it was it was a bit below freezing. Anyway, yeah, and um, we didn't find a cat on the hill, but I decided to to drop them in a couple of thickets on the way home, and I went around the edge of these blueberry fields, and, and the dogs filtered off into a spruce thicket, and all of a sudden Ruby Ruby lights up with a, with a loud yodel, and they all hark in and they get away and they're flying away, and and they get down into a ravine. I, I cut the track further on. The dogs had already crossed. And um, they were heading into, uh, well, just a track. A massive, a massive track of land. So mm-hmm. I just had to leave the snowmobile there and head in pretty much. Um, 
going for it, just just hiking in. And well, I got down into that ravine. I was almost being down in there on the snowshoes. And the snow was so deep, and the dogs were hung up on a on a log crossing. The cat had gone over the the brook on a high log uh, that was hung up, and the brook below was kind of in a in an almost like a, a, a ravine in in cliffs, almost with rock. And they didn't want to cross there, so I had to go down ways and get the dogs over and come back, pick up the track, and send them on again. And well, we got we got on again and into another into another drainage over the hill and um by that time I was soaking wet and sweat and didn't have any water. I was drinking out of streams and things and uh eventually we, we got the cat into a hall. He ended up in rock. I think he'd been there all day anyway. <laughs> so we walked back, get back to the snowmobile and get the dogs loaded in. We're heading back home and uh, all of a sudden just kaboom, <laughs> the snowmobile, the, the, the drive belt snaps on it and it's oh, revving and revving. And, I, and the only way I could shut her down was to, to pull the choke. I turned the key off, kept revving the full, full throttle. And I was just, I, I, choked, I pulled the choke and it, it drowned it out eventually. And well, I, I was lucky I had a spare belt under the seat so uh, my hands at this point were going cold I'm sure and um, they were pretty much useless and I was trying to get the belt on and I got it on and I got and I got going again and the, the cold air coming through my clothes oh, I was freezing I was just freezing coming down off that hill and uh, I, I made it back I actually got some frostbite on my nose and uh, I was on the door of Wife up there and here, real bad. I think. I'd imagine. Uh, so. I just made it home in time. I learned a, a couple of good lessons there. Yeah. Hmm. Scary stuff, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it shook me up a little bit, but you know, just how close I, I could have been to not making it home at that point and, and just being poured out without without some essentials I should have definitely had with me, like a change of clothes or. Um, I totally changed the way I wore things. I started wearing, you know, your merino wool base layers and yeah. um, breathable uh, stuff that, you know, cotton gets wet and gets cold and kill you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so changed her up and adapted for some time, I think. Yeah, that was a close one. Yeah, sounds like a, it. There's a few days, like, there's a lot of days like that where you're just defeated, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, you you just hiked your your butt off, and uh, and you just come home, you know, just defeated <laughs> a lot <laughs> in the early days. I mean, not yeah. to learn now. <laughs> yeah. So if there's anyone setting out on the on the trail that I'm, I was, and you're starting with some bobcat dogs, and you're just struggling, well, mm-hmm. keep at it. Just keep at it. You get me. Now it kind of reminds me of uh. Nicholas Isaac, who was on, he wrote a book called Cat Dog Chronicles, and he has a very similar story right. and uh, in his book. So, bobcat hunting is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. I mean, there's some places where you could make it a lot easier. There's a lot of roads crossing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can 
you can almost keep up in the truck and then just walk into the tree. Might not be too bad. But in this kind of hilly terrain, not many roads, you know, you can only get so far. And a lot of the time, you put the dogs off on a track and you're just hiding the only way in just to go in there as well. Yeah. There's no way around, you know. Mm. So, yeah, a lot of legwork. Definitely. But I, I have areas that are easier. I just choose to make it hard for myself. <laughs> <and easy. I don't. laughs> well, if anybody that wants to keep up with you, you're, you've been writing an article for Full Cry now for a couple of months. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got a little article in Full Cry, just just a blog, really. Yeah. You know, for my own amusement more than anything, but but it kind of it kind of lays it out what what I did and yeah and uh, we'll see what happens, see, see which way it goes, and uh, hopefully I can keep it going. But, um, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll keep that going. The next article is going to be about the, the guys out west. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I look forward to reading it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well, thanks thank- for having me on, man. Thank you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.